the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 426 for August 3rd, 2014. T-Mobile may have a buyer that isn't Sprint, Verizon gets grilled about throttling of unlimited plan customers, and why LTE consolidation still means phone fragmentation. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first this week, following up on last week's story that Verizon is putting network optimization policies in place, Ars Technica ran a story that helped put the change in perspective, noting that all carriers will do some sort of throttling to their highest users. It's clear that T-Mobile throttles users who go over their 4G data plans. If you buy a plan with 1, 3, or 5 gigs of 4G LTE data, T-Mobile states that you'll be throttled to 2G speeds at 128 kilobits per second if you go over that a lot Now, if your total usage exceeds 5 gigabytes or the amount specified in your data plan during a billing period, they may reduce your data speed during the remainder of the cycle, they say, and that customers can then purchase more high-speed data if they choose to with slower data limits uh, at no charge if that's the way you want to go. But T-Mobile also sells an unlimited 4G LTE data plan. That's $80 a month. And while that plan isn't automatically throttled after a user hits a predetermined limit, the T-Mobile policy indicates that it still may throttle during times and places of congestion if if you're in that top 5% of users. AT&T and Sprint aren't any better. Both have 5 gig policies in place on their unlimited plans, effectively giving the top 3 and 5% of their data users respectively throttling uh, limits there. So if you happen to go over that 5 gig amount, then you're going to be throttled. So it's it's not that this is just some brand new thing that's just come out here uh, that Verizon has done here, though uh, I guess the FCC would have you think so. And uh, ultimately, if you're someone who is using this amount of data, this is uh, this is something you're going to have to deal with. Now, uh, mentioning here uh, the FCC, Chairman Tom Wheeler is questioning Verizon's intent to th- the throttling of their legacy 4G data customers. Uh, uh, Verizon announced the change last week, of course, and they explained that it was a way to help manage the network in congested areas. Now, Wheeler has a problem with it and Verizon in, uh, in how they're throttling the customers, and he's explaining in a letter to Verizon CEO Dan Mead, he says, I'm deeply troubled by your announcement that Verizon intends to slow down some customers' data speeds and the 4G network throttling that is starting in October. He says, it's disturbing to me that Verizon would base its network management on uh, distinctions among its customers' data plans rather than on network architecture or technology. Wheeler then posed the following questions, asking for a response from Mead. He asked, number one, what is your rationale for treating customers differently based on the type of data plan which you, they subscribe rather than the network architecture or technological factors? And then in particular, he wants to know if you're on an unlimited data plan and you're concerned that you're in the top 5% of data users, uh, you can switch to a usage-based data plan uh, and not be impacted. Number two, he says, why is Verizon extending speed restrictions and reductions from its 3G network to its much higher and more efficient 4G LTE network? And then finally, Finally, how does Verizon justify its policy consistent with the continuing obligation under the 700 megahertz C block open platform rules under which Verizon may not deny, limit, or restrict the ability of end users to download or utilize apps of their choosing on the C block networks? And how can this conduct be justified under the commission's 2010 open internet rules, including the transparency rule that still remains in effect? So they've got those three things to answer. Uh, and according to Verizon, of course, very few customers will, who have unlimited plans uh, will 
actually get throttled. And uh, it means that, of course, those who consume more than 4.7 gigs per month. Verizon did post a brief response on Thursday saying that when they announced the highly targeted and limited optimization effort, they were only targeting cell sites experiencing high demand. The purpose is to ensure that there's a capacity for everyone in those limited circumstances and that high users don't limit the capacity for others. They said that they'll file a formal response for Wheeler when it's had a chance to fully review the comments. Well, I kind of wish, uh, you know, I think that, the, the, you know, Verizon's actually right that they there's very few customers actually going to be affected by this unlimited because how many people are going to spend? I know our listeners will with the uh, with the, you know, the seven hundred dollar full price phones, but basically anybody else, probably not so much. So it probably is a very limited uh, user base here. And I'd rather the uh, chairman be focusing on the bigger picture here with uh, the likes of Comcast and our other, uh, you know, net neutrality issues going on and, you know, delivery of data with the bigger network. And, and just more important, you know, big picture issues here. Yeah, this one doesn't seem to be uh, all that important to that many people. And obviously, there's, you know, there's a reason that people are switching away from unlimited plans. They don't want to pay full price for phones. And if you don't want to pay full price for a phone, then you've got to switch to one of their their newer plans that are, are limited to a certain amount of data. And people are okay doing that. I mean, it's it, it's something that you know, if you're using, you know, two gigs or four gigs a month, it's probably, you know, cheaper for you to get in on a plan and, and share that data with different devices. I know, uh, you know, I, I pay for eight gigs a month, and that is a little bit more than uh, I thought I would pay for. And I actually don't regularly use up to eight gigs. I think last month, it was six and a half between three different devices. Uh, this month, it's looking like it's probably going to be somewhere around six again as well. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paying for a little bit more than I need to. But at the same time, it gives me a little bit of cushion. And if uh, I were to go over uh, with whether it's, you know, something that I was I'm doing more streaming than I'm used to or whatever it is, then uh, then I can handle that. But either way, I, t- I totally I get the idea for the, the question. But to your point, Joey, uh, I do think it's there's some other things that they should be focusing on. And uh, so we'll see what happens with this in the formal response. We'll talk about that when it comes out. Another follow up to a story we discussed last week. President Barack Obama on Friday signed a bill into law making it legal for Americans to once again unlock their cell phones. The bill restores a provision to the Digital Millennium Copyright Act and will be reviewed by the Library of Congress once every three years. Customers will need to meet certain conditions in order to unlock their phones, such as complete their contracts or own their devices outright. Hilton Worldwide announced plans this week to roll out mobile-based room check-in and digital smartphone-based room keys. Following a similar announcement by Starwood Hotels earlier in the year, the program will begin rolling out later this year with chain-wide availability by 2016. Hilton guests will be able to select their rooms online using their smartphone and display floor plans for each available room. Hilton is planning to roll out its digital enhancements to select hotels during the summer and fall, and by the end of 2014, smartphone-based check-ins and room selection will be available uh, by more than 4,000 hotels and 650,000 rooms. I don't know about you, but it seems like every single time I go to a hotel, the key card always gets goofed up somehow, where you have to go to the front desk and get it reprogrammed, uh, you know, reset for some some reason or something or something happens, either they didn't do enough days or uh, I don't know what happens, but every single time something happens to it. It would be very, uh, very nice to see that, that car key access and that technology will be widely deployed by the end of 2015 into 2016. So look for that coming 
uh, very soon. Very nice to uh, to see that here. Obviously, anything that we can do to uh, to limit that. Uh, as an aside, I have uh, been testing out a, uh, a you know the, the the Bluetooth key card systems that are out there. There's a product called Kivo, and this is done by Quickset, and it uh, allows for uh, basically your blue the Bluetooth LE in your phone to unlock. Uh, your front door. So you just, as soon as you get up to the front door, it senses that your phone is there. You touch the the doorknob and it uh, unlocks the door. It's a pretty neat little uh, little service there that they offer, little kind of a thing. And, and it's, you don't have to have a phone. You can have a little Bluetooth dongle, if you will. And it's kind of like a, uh, just a thing that you attach to your keys. It looks like a key, but it's not a key. It's just a Bluetooth deal. And uh, in, in the phone, or the, the, the door lock senses that it's there and it allows you to unlock the door. So you don't have to have a phone, but you can, which most people do. Sounds like they uh, similar to the comfort access that cars typically have, where you keep the key fob in your pocket, right. and you you know once you get near the car and you're near the the correct door, you can just grab the handle and then the uh, the the vehicle unlocks. Yeah, and you can send guest keys as well, which is very nice if you've got a dog walker or house cleaner or whatever it is. They can uh, you can send those keys out to people so they can use them. You know that's where digital keys really become handy is when you don't have that physical key copy if you give them uh, uh, if you give somebody a copy of that key they could make a copy of the key or trace it or take a picture of it and have that at all times and then of course for you to to keep that key from being used you have to get the lock rekeyed big hassle but if you have digital credentials then you just you just expire the credentials or you know something like that so it's a lot easier yeah it's not a big deal and uh and that's kind of the idea with this is uh you know just testing out to see how this is going to work and uh, if it's going to be something that you know we'll want to use moving forward it's very interesting type type of technology here and this was um this was the best of at ces so it was uh obviously uh it's it's won some awards so it's a pretty neat stuff there moving on let's talk a little bit about sprint they released their earnings report this week for the first fiscal quarter of 2014 detailing out net income of 23 million its best result in over seven years. The operator also confirmed that 3G network maintenance is now largely complete, while LTE coverage has been uh, expanded to cover approximately 254 million people. The main issue Sprint has been experiencing during the last few years is losing customers, totaling 383,000 last quarter. During its most recent quarter, though, they did reduce that to 220,000. And though it is a loss, Sprint also reports that the network has been able to increase postpaid gross additions by 16% compared to the same quarter in 2013, and retail smartphone sales hit almost 5 million. The network also added a total of 500,000 wholesale and affiliate customers during the period, bringing its network total to 53 million subscribers. T-Mobile on Monday announced a promotional plan dramatically undercutting all carriers for those that need four lines of service. T-Mobile says a family of four can now sign up for T-Mobile on these simple choice plans with 10 gigs of LTE data for just $100 a month. Each line receives 2.5 gigs of data in addition to unlimited talk, text, and free 2G international data, as well as, of course, unlimited streaming music. The promotional price is good until January 2016, and the availability begins on July 3rd. 30th and goes through September 30th. Beginning January 3rd, 2016, the data bucket drops to just one gig per line for the same pricing. Currently, AT&T, Sprint, and Verizon all charge $160 a month for a similar four-line plan. So let's just kind of recap this here. So this is $100 for four lines. So this is $25 a line for unlimited talk, unlimited text, free international data, free unlimited music streaming, and 2.5 gigs of data for uh, every month up until January of 2016. So it's essentially 15 months or more, depending on when you sign up, of uh, all of this. And it's uh, it's just an amazing price here. Now, one thing I know I'm noting here is that this is through September 30th. So they're really pushing this 
just over the next 60 days. So if you want to get in on it, get in on it now. Uh, and one thing to keep in mind is that if you're looking for a new phone, i.e. maybe a new iPhone, uh, this could or could not be uh, available when you go to buy that. So if you go and get an iPhone uh, when, when the iPhone 6 comes out, if it doesn't come out until October, this plan is not going to be available. And further, it's not going to be available forever. It's only until January of 2016. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is designed to move some more iPhones before that big release. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, even if it does go up, and let's just say to $120, I mean, it's still a very, very good price. I mean, $25 a month is just insane for all of that. I mean, I would even think about doing it if it was, you know, even if you didn't have smartphones on it, if you could get a, uh, you know, Uh, Just use the data for tablets. I mean, $100 for all of that plus, you know, let's say you've got two smartphones and two tablets in your in your family and you just maybe that's how you can use that would be equally as good. Right. I mean, you could still save a lot of money based on what you're doing. I think I'm spending 180 bucks or something right now with uh, Verizon. So it's uh, it's great stuff here and uh, nice, uh, nice for those that are on T-Mobile for sure. T-Mobile on Thursday announcing two major milestones as part of its Q2 2014 earnings report. First, they announced the launch of nationwide voice over LTE just two months after it was introduced in Seattle with more than 2.8 million voice over LTE capable devices on its network today. Customers have made 52 million voice over LTE calls so far. Secondly, T-Mobile has begun equipping equipping its 700 megahertz gear and field testing its first 700 megahertz compatible devices just three months since acquiring the Spectrum. T-Mobile added 1.5 million new customers during the past quarter and that pushed them past the 50 million subscriber count. Keep in mind, we just announced uh, with Sprint, they are at 53 million. So T-Mobile catching up very quickly. The company says it led the industry in a number of key areas, including service revenue growth at 7.1%, total revenue growth at 8%, branded postpaid net additions at 579,000, and branded prepaid net subscriber additions at just over 100,000. The company noted a second quarter profit of 391 million. That just crushed Wall Street's consensus and marked a significant swing from the $54 million loss it posted in the same quarter of last year revenue in the june quarter totaled 7.19 billion dollars so the number that really kind of surprised me is the the profit in there that they didn't have a loss even but they had a huge profit in comparison to the uh, last year and it really looks like their strategy is paying off i mean if you really look at the profit in there because you'd think that oh they'd probably be bleeding money just trying to get people and then slowly you know raise the rates but that's not that's not uh, what's happening here yeah, well, keep in mind what they're talking about here. Even if they're paying $600 to get to buy somebody out of their contract and, and get them into a new phone, even if they're offering up a plan that's only $100 a month for four lines of data, you still have 50 million people that are paying, or let's just call it 45 million people that are paying uh, you know, regular rates and maybe they're reducing a little bit, but they're not having to shell out all this cash for these people. It's just the new subscribers. So I think what they found is that they've got a stabilized enough current network and, and the margins are such that they can afford to do this type of stuff and ultimately they know it's going to be profitable for them in the long run yeah but then you also get that positive word of mouth advertising even like what we do here where you know you talk about t-mobile you talk about t-mobile look at the great deal you can get on t-mobile that's what happens you build that brand you build the brand quality build the expectation that you're going to get a good deal with actually getting decent service at the same time and that's what i think they're also really uh you know kind of spending marketing money on this sort of uh you know these plans and everything to build up the 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 real quality feel and the, the the good value that they're that they're trying to provide 
ride. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, I we talk about this so much. I mean, I I regularly think about maybe I should just switch over. You know, I should I should just switch over to T-Mobile. Why not? It doesn't really, uh, you know, I, I don't make that many calls anymore. It's all about data. Uh, in fact, I think I sent you a, a message this week, Joey, which I often do. We message all the time. I made 14 calls last month or had 14 minutes of talk time last month uh, and had like, I don't know, not even 100 text messages. So it's it's almost all iMessage or it's almost all uh, messaging that's done through some other service other than text messaging. Uh, a lot of data gets used, but I'm just I'm not making phone calls anymore. And so it doesn't necessarily matter as much. I also noticed uh, on uh, and I, I posted this on Twitter over the weekend. I have not made a phone call uh, or, or received a text message or sent a text message on Google Voice in two months. It was August, uh, excuse me, now it's August 3rd. It was uh, June 3rd was my last uh, text message that I got on there. And uh, I couldn't believe that. I thought, you know, this is just insane that it's been so long since I've actually used this phone number. Uh, and uh, so I'm not sure why I care so much about it and, and wanting to see it, you know, integrated into Google Hangouts and all that kind of stuff because I'm just not using it at all. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's very interesting how just so much has changed and how much we're using our phones. I know I'm probably, uh, you know, one of very few people who actually can say they're only making, you know, 15 minutes of calls a month. But uh, I just I try and push all of my my phone calls to, um, you know, to being able to do it over not over a cell phone just because I, I don't know why. Just that's what I decided to do. And so, yeah, so the unlimited plan uh, for both texting and talking is kind of lost on me because I'm not just not using it at all these days. But either way, uh, interesting stuff there from T-Mobile in in what they've done and what they're about to do could be even more interesting. So following the earnings report, a new leak uh, came out that French telecom business Iliad made an unsolicited offer to purchase the company for $15 billion in cash. That would give them a controlling stake of 56.6% in the company. Later confirmed by Iliad, the offer values the company at $36.20 a share. That's a 42% premium over its current stock price. Iliad's role in the French mobile market is similar to T-Mobile's in the U.S. market. It sees T-Mobile as a natural fit as a way to break into the U.S. market. They say the U.S. market uh, is vast and attractive, and T-Mobile has successfully established itself in the market by positioning itself in many respects in a similar way to Iliad in France. Iliad's offer complicates Sprint's interest in T-Mobile. Sprint and T-Mobile have been in discussions on an acquisition, but the details are still not finalized. Sprint has not made a formal offer for T-Mobile either, but may have to accelerate plans now with Iliad's offer on the table. So what does this all mean? Well, likely nothing. Most analysts don't see the bid by Aliad uh, as actually coming to fruition. But knowing what T-Mobile has been doing in the U.S. market over the last few years, there certainly is still a chance. And so what would Iliad bring to the U.S.? What about a sub-$5 phone bill? So Iliad has thrived on its pledge to cut French's, uh, French households' mobile phone bills uh, and cutting them in half. And that promise has been underestimated by rivals. Uh, the telecom operator, though, has entered the, the market uh, over the last couple of years and brought in prices as low as two euros. That's less than $3 a month. That forced competitors to follow suit, and uh, Iliad now has 12% mobile market share in just two years. So founder Xavier Neal sees the same opportunity here in the U.S., a market five times the size of France's. Iliad would slash bills for T-Mobile's U.S. customers and short profits by sharply cutting costs at the U.S. fourth largest telecommunications company. So some interesting stuff here. I don't know, Joey. I Again, you know, talking about this and what, what has happened over the last 
last couple of years with them and what they've decided to do, there certainly is a chance that they could go do something as crazy as this. There absolutely is, but I would think that Sprint would be more of a viable candidate, but uh, I don't know, maybe maybe Virgin Mobile doesn't want to do that. I mean, it's up to them, I suppose, but maybe this will act as more leverage, too, to get more money out of uh, Sprint and yeah. SoftBank. Yeah, it could be. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, it's again, it's not a full takeover. It's a 56% stake in the company. Um, and uh, But it's $15 billion. And, uh, you know, that's not no small price. And, um, you know, certainly there's some, you know, there's some consideration that has to be made here. Uh, it's very exciting, I think, is what it is. Because, you know, there's there it's going to be one of two things, right? It's either going to be competitors coming along and, and finding, uh, finding themselves having to match what's happening here, which, you know, at uh, more than double the number of subscribers that both AT&T and Verizon have, it's not like they have to just do this. But if they start to see uh, their numbers, uh, you know, stagnate or even drop, then they're going to be, they're going to have to figure stuff out here. And so it's, it's very exciting, I think, to be a customer right now, especially when you've got somebody who's trying to be the, disrupt, the, the disruptor that T-Mobile is. Uh, good stuff here from T-Mobile. Verizon, excuse me, Virgin Mobile on Wednesday announcing a new plan that offers significant flexibility for users managing their account. Virgin Mobile Custom is based on the It's On platform that's used by Zact Mobile, which is a Sprint-based MVNO. It's On gives customers the ability to change the features of their plans anytime they want. Virgin Mobile Custom allows families to activate up to five lines on a single account starting at only $7 per line. The base plan includes 20 texts and 20 voice minutes per month. Customers can then choose to add on unlimited texting for $20 or unlimited voice for $18. The unlimited text and talk and text plans cost $35 a month. Customers can then choose selected add-ons such as unlimited access to Facebook or music streaming, which can be added on in a recurring or non-recurring basis. The plans can be adjusted at any time during the month, even daily, directly from a customer's device. Customers can add or subtract the amount of voice, text, and data they use on a real-time price adjustment so customers know exactly what they'll be getting and what they'll be spending. Virgin Mobile Custom will be available for three devices at launch, including the ZTE Emblem, uh, the LG Pulse, and the LG Unify. The new plans are available beginning on September 1st. And finally in news, the Wireless Power Consortium has announced an update to its wireless charging spec in hopes that it will spur further adoption. The WPC has added resonant charging to the Qi spec, which gives devices the ability to charge at up to 45 millimeters, that's just under two inches, away from the pad. Further, multiple devices will be capable of charging from the same pad, and the version 1.2 spec is backward compatible with all version 1.1 receivers and transmitters. The new spec also adds a low power mode for automotive applications, as well as a high power mode for kitchen appliances. No device news this week. So into software, Microsoft's Office for iPad was updated, bringing new features and support for all three of its apps. Additions include support for exporting and sending of files as PDFs, cropping pictures in line in the documents, playing various media during presentations, better external keyboard support, and using third-party fonts in documents. Microsoft's Word for iPad, Excel and for iPad, and PowerPoint for iPad are available as free downloads, though users need an Office 365 subscription to be able to edit the various documents inside the apps. The new features added to each app are in an update 1.1 uh, will be available or are available today. Additionally, Microsoft's OneNote application for iPad has also been updated. 
Six Wonderkinder released a new version of its Wonderlist application this week. Reportedly, the software's biggest version yet, Wonderlist 3, now comes with over 60 improvements. Most importantly, a retooled design and real-time sync that keeps lists up to date across multiple devices. Uh, the Wonderlist productivity application is one of the largest list applications out there right now. The app is free for nearly all mobile and desktop platforms out there. And with rumors swirling that Google may reorganize its Google Plus social networking service, Bloomberg is reporting the change could potentially result in Google's separating out of the Photos feature in Google Plus into its own standalone service. The move may help Google increase photo sharing and uploading to compete with services like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Flickr. Google has been separating out bigger services into uh, just separate applications in recent history, including Google Drive separating out the Docs, Sheets, and Slides applications. Bloomberg alleges that the service is called Google Plus Photos and is still in the works as social networking users uh, may have the social networking service may be rebranded as part of the mood move. One of the people said. Well, I find this interesting, Mickey, because just uh, was last week, I was wondering how the heck do you get uh, uh, photos to automatically up- upload with the iOS uh, Google Drive app like Dropbox does, where it uh, can be set to automatically you know, upload your photos to your, your, your online drive account. And you said, oh, well, it doesn't do that. And I thought, what the heck? How doesn't it, why doesn't it do that? And then you said, well, you need to use the Google Plus app to upload photos. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that. So then I just moved on. But then this story came out. I'm like, hey, now that makes sense because then if it's separate then you could do this yeah and you know i i kind of assume a lot of people know the weirdness that is the policies and and different procedures for how i manage my data is and and certainly i shouldn't do that so i use google drive i use it extensively i keep all of my photos in there so you say how do i get them there i don't do it on my phone um i do all of my photo and video uploading automatically through dropbox Dropbox then on a once per month basis, I go in and I copy all of the files from my camera uploads folder into a separate new folder that I create in Google Drive that I list as, let's just call it like I just did it over the weekend, 2014-07-31 photo stream. And then I move all the photos that I have into there and now they're archived. And I do that for my wife's photos as well. So we've got them all kind of in the same area and it works out very well. However, it is a few steps. It's not automatic, and a lot of people are not interested or willing to do any of that stuff. So uh, like you, Joey, you mentioned how would you do this. I, you, you wouldn't unless you were using Google+. And uh, we've actually got a question here coming up in a little bit to talk about uh, some other ways that you could do that, and it's it, they're not pretty. So um, interestingly, though, this particular uh, announcement could mean something for this service, and it might mean something for you as someone who wants to figure out a better way to back up their photos. Well, and maybe this is a, uh, you can almost maybe tie this in with some of the Google Voice and Hangouts uh, changes that we kind of keep hearing rumblings about too. Maybe they're going to try to uh, unhook some of these things with the Google Plus entirely uh, to make some of these uh, services more usable for a lot of people that don't uh, have Google Plus like myself. Yeah, and I I guess I I have Google Plus and I occasionally go onto it, but I don't post anything. I don't really do much with it. Photos seems interesting on there, but I don't I don't share anything on there because I don't really know anybody who's using it. So lots of uh, questions still uh, swirling around with this one, and so we'll see if this this happens. It's also you know right on the heels of what is potentially going to be the new photo service for uh, iOS as well. And uh, if Google can figure out a better way or at least something similar for iOS users to use for photo management, of course they would love to have people using and potentially spending a few bucks a month with them to have all their photos hosted with them. 
Yeah, exactly. And and I think maybe they've come to the realization that uh, forcing Google Plus on down everybody's throats here has really kind of turned people off to Google in general. Like it has, uh, it has me, and I know it has a, a bunch of other people where it's just you do, constantly being you know badgered to use Google Plus, and that's just not a really good way to uh, run things. And I think maybe maybe they're figuring that out. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to uh, you know to be is to really listen to feedback and to see what people are actually using and, and liking and not liking really because that's that's what it's all about is are people using your service and enjoying your service um, and will they continue to use it or are you going to have to retool and, and that's kind of where they're at today so we'll see what happens with this and for Google Microsoft this week announcing its first update to Windows Phone 8.1 added several new features to the platform and the expanded availability of services like Cortana so Cortana's availability is now there in uh, U- the UK and China as a beta as well as Canada India and Australia as an alpha application in the u.s cortana has been improved which nat natural language scenarios snooze times for reminders and other features the update adds a feature called live folders that can be placed on the start screen and allows live tiles of the applications in the folder to appear on the tile of the folder so you can see what apps are in a folder and what have been updated the folders can be arranged and sized however user wants the update also improves the performance of the xbox music application and the windows store live tile sms now offers the ability to select multiple text messages for deletion and forwarding lastly an update includes a new feature called app center for business users it sandboxes select apps and restricts which ones can be used so businesses can have control over employee devices microsoft said the update will be pushed to developers in preview form in early august and will be distributed to customers within the next several months questions and comments this week first one is a question from amit and he says guys i was listening to your podcast and you mentioned someone trying to use an unlocked t-mobile iphone 5s with verizon i'm just wondering if it worked as i'm about to try the same thing Uh, someone wants me to sell an unlocked t-mobile iphone fully paid off i would like to use it on verizon i just want to check and see with the junkie experts first amit well amit First off, uh, thanks for your question, because this is uh, something I was going to talk about at the top of the show, but because of your question, we're going to talk about it now. And secondly, I'm really glad you asked before you did this, because the answer to your question is nope, it does not work. So after hours of frustration on Monday trying to get uh, this T-Mobile iPhone to work on Verizon, a fully paid off, fully unlocked T-Mobile iPhone, uh, I was unable to do so. And what I figured out was that the T-Mobile version, uh, once it's been activated on T-Mobile, offers LTE support for T-Mobile, AT&T, and even carriers like Verizon. The problem is it ends at LTE. And so you cannot use a T-Mobile unlocked iPhone on Verizon on the CDMA and 1X network. So what does that all mean? You're thinking, well, I can still use it on LTE and I'll get LTE where I am, so that's all fine and good. Sure it is, except you can't make calls because keep in mind calls and texts also still go through the CDMA technology. Uh, if you drop down to 3G data, uh, you, that's going through the EVDO network, which is also CDMA technology. And of course, texts go through the CDMA technology. It's all uh, necessary to make this phone work appropriately. So uh, while LTE did work, it was actually pretty neat to be able to see. Verizon SIM in the phone. LTE was working just fine. Just couldn't make a call. I was able to browse the web and do whatever I wanted to, and it worked out just wonderfully. 
just no calls. So I uh, ended up having to get this user to sell uh, that phone, which we did, which was really good. I used Swappa for the first time, S-W-A-P-P-A, put it up uh, on there and found a buyer and had it sold within three or four days and uh, got almost 500 bucks for it. So that was pretty good. And uh, then uh, he went out, the user went out and bought a, uh, a new iPhone on Verizon. So that's how you, that's how you do that there. Um, but uh, just kind of very interesting stuff. Uh, how I We're really at the point right now where the LTE that you find in the, the the bands that you find within these different phones that are coming out are are able to uh, you're able to swap the between carriers. But when you come to a situation like this where you've got different technology that's used, you may run into an issue. So Joey, as you and I were talking about this before the show, you mentioned that there's there's something that happens with with these devices here. So the five it's not a necessarily a hardware problem with the 5s it's what happens i kind of like on the the low level software side and it's apparent when you get a refurbished phone that gets shipped out to you by a carrier yeah they actually ask you that the phone actually uh, asks you what carrier this phone is supposed to be for and it, it works for the cdma or gsm and it permanently you know assigns this phone as you know whichever carriers including all the regional ones and uh you know verizon sprint and t-mobile so once you have that set it is set permanently in the phone it appears to be a licensing thing i would imagine or something that whatever costs or subsidies or how that ever works and locking strategies that go into the phone as well because you know verizon if you choose Verizon, the sim will be unlocked but if you choose you know a sprint it'll be locked if you you know it also all those little things as well and uh basically what it means is that if you are someone who gets a uh, gets gets one of these devices and it asks you which carrier you're on and you choose accidentally click the wrong carrier and it happens to be perhaps a situation like this where even if it's a refurbished phone sent out to you and you're a Verizon customer if you accidentally click T-Mobile as an example the phone will never be able to work uh, correctly on Verizon because it blocks out the uh, CDMA radios that are in there so it's just it just was in- incredibly infuriating that that was indeed the case because the phone was unlocked uh, it was fine it actually still worked on Verizon LTE just didn't have CDMA access, which is just just crazy. So anyway, thanks, uh, Amit, for asking that question. Hopefully saved you a little bit of headache there. Next up here is a question from Mark. He says, this is not your typical TCPJ question. I have a question about transferring telephone numbers. I opened a small office that never had a, t- a landline. Uh, there were some logistics problems getting the necessary wiring from the pole. In the interim, I'm using a prepaid Verizon phone as my business phone. I need to keep that number. AT&T, who services this building, is telling me that the number I'm trying to port is serviced by an Atlanta Wire Center, but my location is served by the Atlanta Northwest Wire Center, and it can't be done. Is there any way around this? Can I just port the number to Google and then back to AT&T? If not, maybe uh, over to Vonage or perhaps even Magic Jack. Thank you, Mark. Well, um, I, you know, I will, I will just tell you this. There, there could be potential issues uh, when you're trying to go over to landlines because certainly uh, certain landline carriers, this is still... Let's say there's still not you know a perfect process here. It's not like you can take a phone number from a different area code and move it uh, to a landline in a different state. Like I couldn't take a Phoenix area code number and have it on the landline here. So the locality issue is still there, and that's essentially what's coming up here. So certainly, if you look at what the, you know a service like a Vonage or a Magic Jack, you know that's not a uh, you know that's not a, a, a wire line service. That's a virtual service. So you certainly could do that, um, and and it would it would work just fine. You can move it to Google if you want, uh, and then just get a, a different number um, from your, you know, from your carrier there, local carrier. If you wanted to have an actual POTS-based phone number, and then have Google forwarding to there, but then you're going to still have the issue when you're making calls out. It's just not. It's kind of messy. 
Yeah, I don't know if you can get those numbers back in. Number of portability is weird going back to landline carriers. And, and uh, AT&T, uh, you know, you may be able to bring one in. I suppose you could even try it. I, I, you know, what, what I've done in the past to move phone numbers around, like from Sprint to Sprint accounts, you can't do it directly from a Sprint account to another Sprint account. So I'd uh, port it out to a, a track phone, a $10 track phone at uh, from Target. So that was the easiest way I found to do it and cheapest but uh, I mean, I suppose you could try it with one of them, see if they'll do it. But uh, you may it may be a little bit rough uh, because you may run into that same issue where they won't port it back in because it's a different prefix or or whatever the their excuse is. So Google Voice, uh, twenty dollars to port a number in, three dollars to port the number out. So it's a twenty three dollar gamble if you want to try it. Um, uh, if if you can make it work, if not, then Google Voice has your number and you can deal with it there. You can then port it out to Vonage, but you may as well just try and port it from Verizon over to Vonage if if that's what you're you know wanting to do. If you're going to have a good enough you know cable connection, it's probably cheaper to just go with a Vonage than get a traditional POTS line, unless you absolutely need one. And then uh, I would try and figure out some sort of workaround because that's indeed what it's going to be. Is it's going to be a workaround at this point? Finally, today a question from Patrick. He says, Mickey and Joey, you've been talking a lot about Google Drive and how you guys use the service. I also have tried using Drive on my phone for things other than Google Docs, old name, I know, but I kind of find it kind of frustrating. I try updating music or video to back them up uh, and have them accessible when on the go, but the time, the upload times are horrendous, and even on my home Wi-Fi, it seems like nothing is getting done. A small media file like an MP3 should only take a few seconds to a minute, but it sits there for hours. I'm trying to upload a video. I can start the upload before bed, and when I wake up, it's still there. No progress in the bar. Is there something on my phone that causes the behavior or setting somewhere? I've Googled this and found all sorts of weird recommendations. So far, no avail. Can you guys help? Patrick. Well, Patrick, this was uh, what I was referring to earlier that, uh, you know, there's there's kind of some funky stuff going on. And um, honestly, I never try to upload stuff uh, from uh, into Google Docs uh, just because it's, you know, it hasn't really worked. Uh, I, or I have, it doesn't it doesn't work with the workflow that I have, I guess, is, is how I should put it. Um, what I have done, however, is used a third party application to upload different things. So this is one, um, the one I recommend and that I've used is called File Browser. And so I at, at, uh, at time, have at times wanted to upload pictures from an SD card taken with a, a digital SLR camera into Google Drive to have them backed up. So what I did is just took the SD card, moved the pictures over to, uh, to an iPad, launched File Browser, and then used that uh, to then access the photos on the, the, the internal storage of the iPad and then slide them over to Google Drive. And that worked just fine. So I didn't see any upload time issues or anything like that, but I have not ever done it using the Google Docs or Google Drive application. What I've ever seen with Google Drive is that it's been really slow uploading, you know, pictures and stuff. It seems to like think about it for a really long time before it does the upload. But then once it does start running, it seems to be a normal speed. So I'm not quite sure why you'd get uh, this issue where it actually makes no progress on the uh, on the device and, and uploading uh, media files like this. So I, 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 I don't really know why this would be happening. And and. I don't use the Google Drive app either, other than just opening up Google Docs. So I, I unfortunately am no help here either. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing with, with Google Docs is that you don't even really need Drive anymore. I mean, you've got the separate applications. And so Drive is really for other types of media at this point. And uh, so whether it's photos, which, again, I don't upload. Uh, in fact, I, I don't really use Drive now that I think about it. It's it's all just the Docs app and occasionally Sheets. But that's just, you know, read only. I don't edit them all that much. So, um, you know, lots of uh, lo- lots of potential things that could be happening there. It could be every anything from, you know, a network issue. But it sounds like even on your Wi-Fi, which 
I'm sure you uh, are you know positive on that that's pretty good to uh, something else that's going on on the phone but th- there's not really any settings in drive to, to play around with uh, like I said I would just you know maybe look at uh, you know another type of application out there but again that's frustrating as well because you just want to use the stuff that's offered by the company uh, that's making the product so um, again, the photo part of it is has to, I have to, you know, manually manage that process and upload everything through Dropbox and then slide it over. Uh, perhaps with the new photos, uh, we can look forward to, uh, something better, uh, as far as an experience there from Google. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at the cell phone junkie.com is our email address. Phone number is 206-203-3734. We'd love from here from hear from you anything that you have that you want us to talk about on a future show. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at the cell phone junkie.com.